Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Welcome to Red Leg Nation Radio, your home for discussion and analysis of Cincinnati Reds baseball all year long. Now here's your host, Chad Dotson. Hello everyone and welcome back to Red Leg Nation Radio. This is episode number 387 of the World's Most Dangerous Podcast. I'm your host, Chad Dotson. With me again this week, it's been a while. We both took some vacations there, I think, in in July, but I'm happy to have you back on the podcast, your friend and mine, Jason Linden. How are you, Jason? I am just fantastic, Chad. How are you? Pretty good. Pretty good. You know, uh, the Reds are n- never a dull moment with the old red legs, right? So uh, and there's plenty to talk about tonight. So let's uh, let's do that. Since the last podcast, the Reds have won three games, lost two, five games, but they have actually won six of their last eight now. They uh, won three out of four at Chicago, two out of three at the New York Mets, and then a really kind of frustrating series, two-game series with the, the Minnesota Twins, where they, they, they won one of two, but the bullpen, even this new improved bullpen, I'm, I'm told, uh, yeah. just about blew both games. Um, the first game with the Reds did lose. They were up, uh, let's see, they were up 5-4, to four, and then the bullpen gave up three runs in the ninth inning to lose the game. And when I say bullpen, I mean um, Heath Hembry. And the next night... The Reds were up six to one and give up four runs in the eighth to scare everyone, uh, but ultimately nailed down that win. So anyway, Jason, uh, the Reds are the Reds, and they're now seven and a half games out of first place, four games out in the wild card. What are your thoughts about the current state of these old red legs? Well, I mean, aside from the bullpen, it is a really an awfully fun team to watch. Um, the bullpen is just is just so so weird and and I assume that as David Bell kind of gets used to the new acquisitions like you know the roles are going to change I kind of assume that Michael Lorenzen is the closer right now to be honest um but it's I don't know man the bullpen other than that one stretch they had back kind of in the the middle of the first half has just it has not been a great time it has not been a great time. That's about the best way to put it. Um, so uh, well, do you have some thoughts for us about the trade deadline? Because I want to talk about that a little bit because uh, the trade deadline obviously ended after our last podcast and the Reds did nothing else. They sat on their hands. And we got some, some comments from Reds gentleman Nick Carl I'll get into in a moment. But just the overall, you know, I mean, I think what the Reds did at the trade deadline, they acquired some relievers and that's a good thing, but this is still a, a subpar pin. So they clearly didn't do enough. I guess, uh, depending on what enough is. What do you think, Jason? 
I, I, I mean, I agree. I mean, you know, Iglesias was on the market reportedly, so he should have been lamb, period. Wait a minute, are you talking about July's American League reliever of the month, Razel Iglesias? That is who I am talking yeah, about. I thought so. He oh. should have been coming back. <laughs> oh, if we only had Noe Ramirez to trade back for him. If, if only. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, you know, Weird as this is to say, I mean, we can we can talk about shortstop, but other than the, the bullpen, I don't know where you'd add people. Um, it's a, a pretty a pretty good team right now, um, and yeah, but we could have done better than some mid level relievers, which is kind of what we got. Yeah, two slightly above average relievers, uh, basically, uh, who I'm happy to have: Michael Givens and uh, Luis Cesa. Uh, Justin Wilson, who's had success in his career, but you know, I mean, really, they're uh, at their best. We got a couple of somewhat above average relievers, which again, that's a huge improvement because we got rid of you know uh, some guys that weren't performing in the bullpen. But still, um, the only you know we, we we probably should talk about shortstop because Kyle Farmer continues to be the second coming of uh, of Barry Larkin, um, and we probably should dig into that. But yeah, the bullpen, and I think maybe a, a starting pitcher. I wouldn't mind having one more starting pitcher uh, for the the rest of the way um, would be the places I would have focused, but. Um, you know, let me, let me tell you what Nick Crawl said today. I mean, you already know, but let me tell the listeners, I mean, the viewers, oh man. There you go. <laughs> I know, I know. Talking to the readers, you did it. <laughs> Nick Crawl, who's the Reds vice president and general manager, uh, was on uh, an ESPN podcast today. Evidently ESPN has podcasts and, uh, he said something, and this is uh, kind of a paraphrase, but I don't want to paraphrase too much. Uh, but he said, basically, we got our deals done on Tuesday and into Wednesday, leading up to Friday's uh, trade deadline. And so it was, you know, I don't want to say relaxing, but, you know, we had a lot of phone calls and there were a lot of deals we could have done, but we weren't ready to do them based on prospects or finances or whatever. <laughs> or whatever. We weren't, yeah. ready, we weren't ready to do deals, you know. Prospect or finance. That's the part that I love best. Or finances or whatever. My gosh. This team wasn't, hey, we made a couple of deals for, you know, relievers. They'll get off our backs, you know. Um, They weren't serious about improving this team. I mean, that's what I take from that. Maybe you have a different take. Yeah, you know, I've really been trying to give Nick Kroll um, the benefit of the doubt. And those comments are really disappointing. I mean, I know and understand that to some extent he's hamstrung by ownership. But... At the very least, do GM speak that's not so life is good. You know, do do the thing where it's like, you know, well, given our, you know, where we are in terms of our restrictions and our payroll, we, you know, we were limited in what we could do. Like, something like that, I would be calmer about. Well, I would still be upset, but I would just be upset at ownership. This gives me, I feel like, the first reason I've had to, to not be thrilled with crawl. Yeah. And maybe I'm with you. I've, I've tried to give crawl the benefit of the doubt as listeners, uh, viewers of the podcast will know. Wow. (laughs) Hold on. I got to pour a drink. Um, because, uh, you know, he was put in a position that was he ready or not? I don't know. Um, I think he's a a bright guy. Um, but maybe this is just a PR thing maybe he's just not a good public speaker you know maybe that's it dick williams used to frustrate us because he would do that gm speak and you know we would know that's what he has to say but he was pretty good at it this 
I like the idea of the statement that you would have given there. I, maybe something like this. Um, you know, we talked to every single team in the league, or, you know, how many ever teams they actually talked to. We talked to 24 different teams leading up to the the uh, trade deadline, and we really want to improve our team. Now, listen, we've got some we've got some limitations, we've got some restrictions uh, with respect to payroll, whatever. That is what it is. But we were working late into the night, every single night, really trying to improve this team. Um, and I hope that's actually true, uh, but I don't get the sense that it was. But eh, we weren't ready to do those deals based on prospects or finances or whatever. <laughs> just it's it's just shocking, I think. And I don't know that we need to spend much more time on it. But it is a more evidence that we love this team more than they love us. Fair, unfair. I mean, certainly where I think ownership and the front office are concerned, I, I think I think that's fair. I, the 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 feeling I continue to get and and crawl just enhanced it and made it feel more pervasive throughout the front office is a well you know we're rich and we do whatever we want anyway so <laughs> pretty much everything's what, gonna be fine for number one who cares about the baseball team or the fans yeah what are you gonna do not come to the stadium we have you know beer and bourbon and Nick Castellanos for a little while longer yeah he's now, there was some news that the Reds, well, quote-unquote, tried to acquire Chris Bryant from the Chicago Cubs at the uh, at the trade deadline. Of course, Chris Bryant was in it, ultimately traded to the uh, San Francisco Giants for two not particularly great prospects. Um, and uh, Ken Rosenthal at The Athletic reported the Reds were kind of in on, on those deals. And the, the reporting, whether it's true or not, was that the Reds were unwilling to take on uh, $7 million of his salary in the trade. Now, Doug Gray says that the, 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 ultimately the Giants gave up two guys that would would not have been in the Reds' top 10 as prospects. So you'd think the Reds had some prospect capital to give. Um, Chris Bryant, they were talking about putting uh, putting in center field. Any uh, thoughts on that? Questionable, huh? Yeah, yeah. Does that I sound... Mean, I suppose offense, I don't know. that The... the there are three spots on the roster right now that are sort of just weird offensively, and I don't know what to expect from them or what we're going to get from them. Um, so I don't know where Bryant really would have fit, but I i mean, he's Chris Bryant, so presumably we could have found a spot for him. He would have made the team better, I think. Yeah. He had to make the offense better. I mean, Tyler Naquin, go look up his numbers oh, I, since April. I tweeted earlier today that I, I don't understand why Aquino isn't getting at least half the starts in center field right now. What is the reason? Naquin had a one hot month, and he's he's perfectly cromulent, but um, he's a fourth outfielder at best. Yeah, and and maybe that's what Aquino is too. But I don't know. I'm I'm pretty happy with what I'm seeing from Aquino this year. He's taking walks. I mean, Aquino, you know, his stats for his career right now are really. I mean, they're quite good. He, he gets there in a weird way. Um, you know, the batting average is, is, is low. Um, but you can't really complain. I mean, he's been an above average hitter and he's got 400 plate appearances now. Yeah. And then this year his walk rate is up. He's getting on base and also he still, you know, hits home runs. Even Naquin's overall numbers now, it took a while for them to look kind of bad because yeah. he had that incredible, yeah. uh, April, but his OPS plus is 87 now. So that means 13% below league average, roughly. I mean, why are we 
I don't understand why we're running him out there. You know, I know Shogo Akiyama's not showing us anything that he deserves it either, but you do have Aquino who, uh, you know, can handle center. He's not a, he's not Billy Hamilton, but again, who is? But he's fine. He's not a disgrace either. It's not like, you know, you're running Adam Dunn out there or something. Hold on. Wait, what? Did you just attack Adam Dunn on this podcast? I might have. I might have. <laughs> but you're right. People look at Aquino, and I don't know, but he's he's kind of a bigger guy, taller. He's not that big necessarily, but yeah. he doesn't necessarily look like a like a center fielder. But he can move. He's athletic. Yeah. He's uh, one of the faster players on the team by sprint speed. Yeah, yeah. I'm with you. I don't know if uh, I don't. I, I mean, at least you know, split time with uh, with Naquin. I don't. I don't get it. I just don't get it. There's lots of things I don't get. Um, let's see. What else about the trade deadline? We talked about Chris Bryant. Uh, that's all there is to talk about. The Reds made no trades. Michael Lorenzen is back. Have you seen Michael Lorenzen, by the way? Have you had a chance to watch Michael Lorenzen on the mound since, he been, since he's been back? Um, I have not, actually, no. It's been a busy few days. Yeah, I know. I, I get it. You're following the games, but uh, you don't uh, necessarily get to see the one inning that he gets to pitch. But uh, you need to take a look at him with a beard. Oh, I've seen bearded Lorenzen. Yeah. Oh, have you seen have you seen bearded Lorenzen? Yeah, he had his beard when he was around in like spring training or whatever. Oh, what am I doing? Paying attention in spring training? Well, come on, what am I? Let's do some work here to prepare for this podcast. Um, but he looks almost normal. He does look like a more normal human being. Yes, I can't remember who I was talking with on on Twitter about that, but it's it's shocking. He doesn't look yeah. like a he he doesn't look like a goofball anymore. Um, well, he still does, but. Um, okay, t- uh, let's see. Tonight, Nick Castellanos activated, has not hit a home run tonight, but uh, Jonathan India. Everyone else has, yeah. <laughs> yeah, when we, uh, at press time, uh, the Reds were winning seven to nothing over the hapless Pittsburgh Pirates. India, uh, Suarez, who I want to talk about, but also Joey Votto. That's who we have to talk about now. Joseph Daniel Votto, Jason Linden has been a, uh, uh just, He's he's been a, a Votto. Uh, what's the word? What's the word here? Uh, appreciator extraordinaire. I think that's a good that's a good way to put it. What about Votto? He's not slowing down, man. I mean, my goodness. <laughs> that's it. That's the analysis. You know, I I, I will say this. Um, I have started to, to so to to wonder something about two, 2019, if my memory is correct, and I think it is. Do you recall this, Chad? In 2019, it would crop up every now and again. One of the broadcasters would mention that Joey was dealing with like back back issues. I do. I wonder if he played 2019 almost all season hurt. It's certainly possible. And because, that, I ahead. mean, that that season compared to any of us is the most anomalous season of his career right now. Like, if you if you take that out, if you take that season out, you take out 2019, any other down year is he was obviously injured or it was last year's weird year, which we don't even count with his 225 BAPIP or whatever. I'm, I'm going to tell you why I disagree with that. 
I mean, we don't know. You could be absolutely well, correct. That, I know. You're going to say that he decided to hit homers, and now he is, and you're correct. <laughs> I think it's just uh, it's Joey Vaughn doing something that almost no player in the history of baseball would be able to do. I mean, because it really, it really almost, and it, this may be too convenient, that it almost correlates exactly with, maybe this is just a convenient narrative, with that benching last year. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, and I, I don't want to say that this is absolutely true, even though I wrote a column about it. And so I'm staking my, you know, name on it. But um, he made visible changes and he's talked about how he changed, not just his stance where he's standing more upright, but also his approach. And to me, that's way more impressive than, well, he was hurt. And, and, and right. You're, you're right. It is for sure. Yeah. Um, but it just made me wonder because yeah. he's, yeah, yeah. No, I think, I think it's, uh, there's some explanation, but the fact of the matter is what we're seeing from Joey Votto, you don't see from, you do not. yeah. And, and I mean, go ahead. Well, it's, it's just, it's remarkable. I, you know, he, I'm just speechless. I'm stammering here. It's not like <laughs> seen, I'm sure to some extent I've been back on the coffee and Votto train um, and tweeting about it, you know, for a while, but it's still, it just, it boggles the mind. I mean, the thing that, that continues to get me is, is that he went from, okay, he's going to finish with just a little bit over 300 home runs to, Oh wait, he made some changes now he has an outside shot at the franchise record again. It's true. Three, like, 369, Johnny Bench. 389. That's what I said. Yeah. I mean, is it likely? No. Is it possible? Yeah, all of a sudden it is. Would you bet against him, I guess is the question. I don't know. Uh, you know, what's funny is uh, tonight, coming into tonight's game, this, and again, we're Thursday night, Votto and uh, and Jesse Winker and uh, Eugenio Suarez were all tied for the team lead with 21 home runs, and uh, Suarez, so Suarez hits one and uh, a three run home run, I believe, which to take the team lead. And then uh, inning or two later, Joey Votto hits one to time again, uh, also a three run home run, I believe. So um, let me just I'm going to bring in. I hate to do this. I was going to ignore this question because I don't like this guy that much. That's that's a joke. He's a he's a well, I'm not going to say he's a good guy, but he's a guy. Philip Razor. Have you heard of this guy? Oh, Phil. He asked a viewer mail question just designed to, I don't know, try to make me look bad or, I don't know, criticize me. I don't know what he's doing. And so, listen, what do I care? I mean, let's be honest. People don't have to try that hard to make you look bad. <laughs> exactly. I do it myself every single time I say something. So what, what do I care? Um, anyway, his question is this. Question for Chad. What were you most wrong about this offseason? Jonathan India or Joey Votto? Now, let me just uh, say this. You're funny, Phil. Whatever, whatever. Make fun of me. I don't care. Don't hurt my feelings. Uh, I wasn't wrong about Jonathan India. And if you go back and listen to what I said about Jonathan India, it was that I just don't know. He hasn't shown anything in the minor leagues that would indicate he's ready for the big leagues yet. But people keep telling us that he was good at the alternate site last year and he's different. And I'm like, okay, I don't know. So... Um, I was never anti-Jonathan Indian. Now, I was wrong about Joey Votto. I'll, I mean, I'll own that. I'll wear it. Um, and, and I wrote a column about it. So I guess I could call and ask to see have that deleted from the interwebs. But 
Um, and I think there was no other reasonable explanation for his downfall, downfall, his decline to me, unless there was some injury that we didn't know about. You, you've identified that tonight. That makes me wonder. Um, but he was just, it was the typical age-related decline. And if Joey Votto had kept, my opinion is, if Joey Votto kept doing what he was doing, it was going to be, it was going to continue that decline because he just couldn't hit like he used to hit because father time is undefeated, we say. Yeah. And and the mistake I made was ever doubting Joey Votto. He's he's a legend. And so, yeah, I'll, I'll wear it. Go ahead, yeah. criticize me. Well, I, I, I'm, you've, you've done an adequate job, so I don't, I don't think you need me to do that. But, you know, what is, it, what is remarkable, and, and I'm just staring a little bit at his numbers right now, okay? And I'm talking like full seasons only. Um, but right now, other than his rookie year, he has the lowest walk rate of his career. He has the highest strikeout rate of his career, period. He's never struck, struck out this much. But he also has the the highest ISO, isolated power of his career. So he is hitting for more power right now when he's about to turn 38 years old than he has at any point at any time in his career. Yeah, I mean, it's... <laughs> it's amazing. And he's still, for the record, getting on base at like a 370 clip. Like, it's not like he's suddenly not getting on base. He's just not getting on base at normal Joey Votto levels. Yeah. I mean, but, but exactly right. Yeah. Um, what's his on base after tonight? Who knows what it is, but we're talking 368, 370 in that neighborhood. Um, that, that's what amazes me the most as, as if we haven't marveled over Joey Votto on this podcast enough over the years. And I think you and I have spent plenty of, uh, minutes on the, on this podcast doing that is that he, saw that he could not do what he'd been doing for so long. I mean, he was elite at controlling the strike zone and still being able to uh, be productive. And he, and to me, it looks like he saw he couldn't do it anymore. That's what he actually said. But again, you, you got to yeah. take anything, any of this with a grain of salt, although with Joey Votto, maybe who knows, but, and, um, completely changed the way he approached his, uh, his craft and um, almost immediately became, one of the best in the league. I mean, his, his exit velocity is up there. You don't see that from 37-year-olds is the point I keep coming back to. You just do not see it. There except are for- no peripherals. There are none that think that Joey Votto is anything other than one of the very best hitters in the league right now. This isn't this isn't smoke and mirrors. This isn't a weird run of, a, of an extra high BAPIP. He's just, he's just good again. Everything says he's good again. Like, my my current favorite line is to just look at what he's done since he came off the IL with the broken hand. That's over 200 plate appearances now, and he's hitting 301, 404, 625. And that's, I mean, that's MVP Joey Votto. <laughs> How are we saying this at age 37? He's hit 16 home runs in his last 200 plate appearances. My goodness. 17 now, because this game log that I'm looking at isn't including tonight. Yeah. You know, uh, there's going to be an age-related decline at some point, but you will never catch me in print saying anything about it because I'm just I'm never going to doubt him again. Period. Oh, Joey Votto. Can I tell you what's frustrating about the 
trade deadline that's related to Joey Votto? What? That we're not doing everything we can to get him the ring he deserves? It just about brings me to tears. Yeah. We have this really good team, this really fun team, a team that, I mean, it's really as, as much fun a team as any team that uh, that I've the Reds have had in a long time. I mean, they've only got 20 players that are MLB level, basically. Uh, but they're fun. They, they, they fight. Oh, my goodness. Why can't we just go all out one time to try to get Joey Votto past the first round of the stupid playoffs? Get him in the World Series where he deserves to be to kind of cap off his career. Why can't we? I mean, I, I you know, I'll chip in. The answer is we could have, but uh, and we weren't ready to do that based on prospects or finances or whatever. Or whatever. All right, so anyway, Joey Votto, we love you, uh, and I apologize for doubting you. Uh, Phil, I don't love you, and I will always doubt you. Um, Castellanos is back. That's good, but you know what? The Reds have hit pretty well in Castellanos' uh, absence. Have you noticed that? I have, but but I will say this with with Joey back to being Joey. Man, does anybody in baseball want to face the Reds' top four right now? <laughs> Seriously, I mean, coming out and and it's India Winker Castellanos Votto. That's those are your first four. <laughs> yeah, no thanks. The Pirates certainly didn't want through tonight. You have an update on the score, by the way. I don't know. If you uh, it's still seven to nothing. I guess we're slacking now. It's only. We didn't score in the third. <laughs> uh, you're right. I mean, it's really, uh, it's really all the talk preseason based on last year was this offense. They got to perform, and are they going to? And man, it's as bad as the bullpen's been. That's how far above my expectations this offense has performed, well, and and it's real. It's not, you know. And we're talking. Just, I didn't expect. I will say, and I, you know, you know that I like to take credit when I can take credit, right, Chad? Please do. Yes, I, I encourage you. Recall me saying that I thought people were being silly with how worried they were about the offense. I think we can go back and find that on the podcast. Yeah, these guys had too much history to all suddenly turn into bad hitters. Last year was last year was irrelevant. With Castellanos, uh, I believed you. Um, I thought we'd be better at catcher, just given uh, Stevenson. Oh, he's been even better than I expected. Um, yeah. As as usual, I had higher expectations for, you know, Senzel. But we've been without Moustakas for basically the whole season. Yeah. What I don't think anybody could have really predicted was Jonathan India and Joey Votto. I mean, we could have predicted that Votto would be better maybe than he was last year or something like that. But I don't think we could predict that India or Votto were going to be this I, good. I, think, I don't think anybody was imagining Joey Votto hitting at M- MVP-type levels again. Right. So you add those guys to Winker and Castellanos, who are not, it's not surprising to see what they're doing. All of a sudden, this looks like a great, you know, uh, offense. And and I want to ask you, of course, we wouldn't have necessarily predicted that uh, Eugenio Suarez would be what he has been. Um, but I want to ask you about uh, what happens when Moustakis gets back. And supposedly, that's going to be soon. Um, yeah. He and Nick Senzel both went out on rehab assignments. Uh, Moustakis is supposedly ready. Senzel, they're going to give it a little more time, which is uh, is reasonable. Um, I mean, with, with Senzel, I kind of assume, frankly, that he just doesn't have a place to play. I think he's he's played himself into a bench role. 
maybe, but center field. And we're, we're we were talking about Naquin's not performing. I mean, has Senzel ever hit better than Naquin's hit this year? <laughs> That's completely reasonable. I agree, but um, you may be right. I, I just think it's you have to show me a little bit more. Um, and and there, there's no urgency to get him back because he's not performing. I think you're right about that. Um, now, when when Mustakas gets back, what do we do with uh, what do what do we do with Gino? You know, I, I don't know, and I especially don't know because I, I, I'm not sure if you've noticed, but Gino is finally starting to look like Gino. I have Just noticed. about the last week or two, he's he's kind of killing it again. Six-game hitting streak, I think. Uh, six home runs in his last eight games, something like that. Um, yeah. Is he back? I mean, if he's back, then we got a real problem here. That's not a problem. Talk about a great problem to have. Too many good hitters, right? Yeah. Um. How do how do you not if he continues to be what he's been, which is not good. I mean, there's no way to sugarcoat as far as yeah. how do you not move him to the bench in favor of Mustakas? Unless you believe he's back. I mean, I yeah, you know, I think there's a real case for there to be at the very least some kind of platoon going on there. How do you how do you do that? I mean, I mean, Mustakas is a lefty, like. But yeah, but are you going to really not have Mustakas in the lineup most of the time? I mean, you can have him against right-handers and Suarez against lefties, I guess. So that does get Mustakas in the lineup most of the time. Yeah, you could also use Mustakas to spell India occasionally at second. I mean, I think yeah, I, and I think that that's kind of what's going to happen, right? Like. Joey needs a day off. Mustaka starts at first. India needs a day off. Mustaka starts at second. Uh, then he picks up some other, a bunch of other starts against right-handers, um, you know, at third, and and you just kind of see what you see. I, I think what's really going to be interesting, though, I mean, it will be interesting to see how the Reds handle the last two months of the season, but it will also be interesting to see what the Reds do this offseason because with the emergence of Jonathan India – there, you know, you you've got an extra starting caliber player, unless you really believe that that Gino is done, which I, I'm not I'm not quite ready to put that there yet, no. especially him still being close enough to the shoulder injury. Um, if he has a bad year next year, then then I'll wonder. But um, you know that it's going to be an interesting off season, I think. Uh, yeah, yeah. There's some questions that have to be answered. No question. Uh. With Suarez, since the shoulder injury, we're at 161 games now. Yeah. 185, 278 on base, 406 over two seasons. Um, 36 homers, 96 RBIs, though. <laughs> so. Yeah, I mean, and that's one of those things that I that I just don't know, though. I, I went looking for it, and I couldn't find any data on shoulder injuries that wasn't concerned with pitchers. Because, like, everybody knows with hitters, Winker had this in the minors, that you, you break your wrist – and it's two years before your power comes back. Yeah. Like, it's just an accepted thing, and that's precisely what happened with Winker. Um, so I don't know. You know, there are some injuries that take two years before you're back to normal. Um, so that might be the case for Gino. I don't know. Uh, I, I hope there is, because, you know, we've talked about this before, but, I I mean, is there a more likable human on the planet than a Eugenio Suarez? 
every time I, I even think to myself, they got to bench him. I, I kind of a tear rolls down my cheek, a single tear. It hurts because it's it's impossible not to root for him. I love that guy. I, I really do. I mean, he's he's. I I was trying to think of who's a more likable player. In in my entire time as a Reds fan, which goes back many many years, you know, uh, maybe Alex Trevino. But other than that, I can't think of anyone. The only player I can think of, likability wise, who was even in the same zip code as Gino is Sean Casey. There you go. That's probably the only one. Yeah. And I love me some Sean Casey. There's no doubt about that. Um, yeah, it just it hurts me. I want him to be Gino because he's still young enough to still be Gino. That's the part that gets me. Yeah. Well, I, that's why I said I like I can't believe I, I, I don't believe that he's done. Um, it just I just don't I don't think he is. It's, it's the flip side of what we were just talking about with Votto. Which yeah. is, you know, Votto, 37-year-olds don't do this. Well, you know what? All-star 29-year-olds don't do what Suarez has done either, unless there is an explanation. And I have not been given a satisfactory explanation. People want us, we, you and I have speculated about the shoulder, because that was when it started. And so that's a reasonable speculation. But Suarez keeps saying he's healthy, and the Reds don't act like he's not. Um, And, and I would think they might use that as a, a, a public excuse if it were if we're legit, maybe. Yeah. Um, some people want to say, well, you know, he wants to hit home runs, and so he's changed his swing. I, don't, I can't see any of that. I'm not I'm not a hitting coach, but oh, I just want him to be good again because I like him. Yeah. You know who else I like? Who? Luis Castillo. Have you heard of this guy? Boy, Luis Castillo. Luis Castillo. Uh Somebody, and I believe it was our buddy uh, Woo the Reds, said on Twitter, uh, I want to see the the Venn diagram of the people who think Kyle Farmer is great all of a sudden because of his you know recent success. I want to see the Venn diagram of those people and the people who wanted to get rid of Luis Castillo early in the season when he was struggling. And they're probably the same people. It's a recency bias. Since the... Since uh, the calendar turned to June, 12 starts for Luis Castillo. He's 5-2. Uh, and two. The Reds are 8-4 in those 12 games. He has a 1.91 ERA now over more than two months. Yep. He's Luis Castillo. He is Luis Castillo. Sucked for a little while. <laughs> yeah. But he's Luis Castillo. Yep. Uh, and so let's talk about the the the... the I said I think maybe another starter might be might have been a good thing to go after at the uh, at the deadline. Let's talk just really quickly about the rotation. Luis Castillo uh, is back to being Castillo. Tyler Malley, we got a good viewer mail question. I'm gonna uh, we'll bring that up here in just a second. Wade Miley, eight and four, two point nine two ERA right now. Wade Miley. Here on I mean, if if we're apologizing to people, I would like to apologize to Wade Miley. Because it's not that I thought he would be like terrible. I just thought he would be perfectly passable. You know, I defended him on the podcast here and on Twitter preseason. Like people are just acting like he's garbage because he was awful and you know yeah. four four starts or whatever. I said he's not gar. He's going to help this team. Now, um, did I think he's going to be the you know arguably the ace of the team? No, but. Uh, He's been he's been fantastic, and you see what why he's had such a long successful career. Now, here's my question to you about that: 
about Miley. He has an option after this year. A team option. And I'm going to let me pull it up here so I can see exactly. I can't remember. I should, this is the great preparation you all ask for in the Red Lake Nation Radio podcast. Um, he has a $10 million team option and a $1 million buyout. Do you pick up the $10 million option for Wade Miley at age 35 next season? Yeah, even if for no other reason than you can trade him. Okay. You're right, as usual, Jason Linden. Are the Reds going to pick up his $10 million option? I, I don't know. If they're smart, they will, because you will have zero problem getting some prospects for Wade Miley's $10 million salary, assuming he finishes the season anything like he's done so far. There is literally no baseball argument for not picking up that option. I mean, but I mean, if we're being honest, Ooh, I think I know where you're going. Season has been, you've got Castillo next year. Still you do. You've got Mally next year. Still Mally and Mally. You've got Sonny Gray next year. Still you've got green and Lodolo in triple a. You've got Gutierrez, who has yeah. done things this year. If, you know... What are you, you putting? Know what I'm saying, right? I mean, I, if, I'm not sure that I would bet on Wade Miley to be one of the five best starting pitchers next year, as good as he has been this year. Well... No, I don't think I think you're I don't think you're wrong. Certainly, um, and often I do think you're wrong, and I'm I'm always wrong when I think you're wrong. But um, the the first thing I always where I always land on this is you need more than five starters. You always need more than five starters. People get hurt. But I just listed off seven players, and we didn't even mention Tony Santian. I just, I just got excited. Yeah, Santian, I, I think probably going to be. In the bullpen next year, which is fine. I think he's good. I think he could be a starter on this team, fourth, fifth starter. Um, and we haven't talked about TJ Anton. I remember him. He's hurt right now, but came up as a starter. He did, but I, my guess is he's probably a reliever going forward. But who knows? We'll see. Um, yeah, all of a sudden, given that Green and Lodolo have done, uh, and we're talking, of course, about Hunter Green and Nick Lodolo, two of the three best prospects in the Cincinnati minor league system. Uh, and also two former first-round picks, have done just about everything this year, other than Lodolo having blister issues and being held back just a little bit. They're both in AAA now. They've done absolutely everything. If you could have dreamed of what they were going to do, this is about the dream. They're knocking on the door of the big leagues. And so that's a... Well, but you know what else that uh, that gives you? you? You just name seven guys? That's trade capital to uh, improve elsewhere. It's true. Gosh, if the Reds wanted to be aggressive, this team could be really good next year. Like, really good. Like, World Series good. Like, I mean, perfect trade candidate if you're trying to hold your your top chips. Pick up Wade Miley's option. And deal him in the offseason. Here's a guy who has an ERA under three right now. He pitched a no-hitter this year. It's been one of the best, you know, pitchers in the, you know not quite one of the best pitchers in the league but one of the better pitchers in the league 
has a track record that doesn't depend on him throwing hard. Right. Has a track record. It mostly has been healthy, has thrown innings and so on and so forth. You can pencil him in for 150, 160 innings without being stressed out. I mean, who doesn't who who can't give you a good reliever or two for that? Yeah. You could really fix the bullpen in one yeah. fell swoop. Yeah. Here's what's frustrating. You know, they got they got to keep Castellanos around next year. And they won't because Bob Castellini is Bob Castellini. This But you keep Castellanos around. Um who are the other free agents? Uh, I think Barnhart's a free agent, right? Tucker Barnhart? No, they've got him one more year. One more year. Okay, good. That's kind of maybe an option. Let me look real quick. But okay. I think they can have him next year if they want him, and the option isn't expensive. they got to keep him. He's not making that much money, and he's the perfect uh, you know, duo to, uh, you know, tandem partner to, uh, to Tyler Stevenson. But I think about it, if you can keep the bulk of this team together, you have a shortstop coming up. Jose Barrero, by the way, is hitting better in AAA than he did in AA. He will be ready next year. We can I think he's ready now, and I think he should be the starting shortstop now for the record. Thank you. He should be the starting shortstop tomorrow night. There's no question. Although, you know what Nick Carl said uh, in his uh, interview as well is that uh, he's uh, he's not ready or whatever. Um, so we're playing service time games then. Exactly. Exactly. Jose Barrero is ready. Now, I know he wasn't good last year, and he wasn't maybe not ready last year, but my goodness, he has mashed the ball everywhere he's been. So you got Barrero to plug in at shortstop. Um, we got some other questions that we've already talked about, about how you're going to Moustakas and Suarez, and how do you manage all this other, but those are all good questions, but you got to keep Castellanos. you got to figure out a way to keep Castellanos here. And, and then what makes me excited is you've got this core that the Reds have not had in a long time. We've seen uh, India and Stevenson this year. But you got Barrero. You got Hunter Green. You got Nicola Dolo. You got these guys that, uh, frankly, kudos Dick Williams, because all this was on your watch, that are ready to come up and really make an impact. And if the ownership would just go all in, this could literally be a World Series team next year. Am I crazy? Or am, I, am I just being the crazy, you know, rose-colored glasses guy here? You are not being crazy. I mean, this... My God, Chad, imagine how, like, imagine their record right now if they had a league average bullpen. They're leading the division. I truly believe that. Yeah. You know, here's one thing I want to say, and I don't know, I don't know anything. I want to be clear about that in terms of what players may or may not be thinking. Given the state of relationship between the Players Association, and the owners right now. And given what we have watched happen during free agency the last few seasons, if I were Castellanos, I would be thinking very, very hard about whether I actually wanted to opt out or not. Yeah, I mean, the free agency has not been lucrative for very many over the last two or three years. Uh I mean, he might be having enough of a season that it doesn't matter for him. But, man, I can imagine the owners going, you're 30, you're past your prime. You know. The problem is it only takes one team. It does. It's the, true. The Dodgers decide that they don't have enough players, you know. 
Yeah. And he's been good. He would have to crater the last two months, though. I don't know. Yeah. But, but I think keeping him in town has to be the number one priority. Don't you think? In the off, off season? Absolutely. Uh, he and Max Schrock. <laughs> you know, I feel bad for old Max Schrock, who I actually kind of like as a, as a bench option going forward. Guy comes up, goes five for five, gets sent back down to the minors uh, when Castellanos is activated. Poor Max Schrock. When you have options, right? Like, yeah. Schrock has been... Uh, I was looking it up the other night. He's been uh, waived by both the, the Cardinals and the Cubs. But you look at his numbers in the minor leagues, and he's a perfectly decent bench guy going forward, seems to me. Can play a few yeah. different positions. Yeah. Max Schrock. Oh, by the way, your guy Joey Votto won the uh, National Player of the Month in July. I heard, yes. Yeah, he's good. And your guy Kyle Farmer was apparently shortstop of the month. <laughs> My guy Kyle Farmer. Can we, uh, just really quickly, can we discuss Kyle Farmer? Good for Kyle Farmer. Good for Kyle Farmer, and I have no idea how he's doing it. He's never done anything like this before. Although, go ahead. Well, I was going to say, he's never done anything like this before. And, you know, I I went digging. You know, I was like, well, maybe there's, maybe there's something, right? Maybe, I can't find any peripherals that indicate this is anything other than you know, lightning in a bottle. Yeah, I mean, uh, <laughs> good for him. And, and I hope he keeps it up for the rest of his entire career because Kyle Farmer playing well helps the Cincinnati Reds win. And when the Cincinnati Reds win, I'm happy. So I'm rooting for the guy. People act like I hate Kyle Farmer. And somebody actually said that. Why the Kyle Farmer hate? I'm like, show me something that I've ever said that says I hate Kyle Farmer. Guy plays as hard as he can for my favorite team. Kudos yeah. to him. Before the season, honestly, go ahead. I think that Kyle Farmer is the ideal, I mean, absolutely the ideal utility player. Like, solid enough with the bat, can literally, literally play anywhere. I will take Kyle Farmer on my team all the time. It doesn't mean that I necessarily think he should be starting shortstop. Well, he can, he's got value because he can play everywhere from catcher to shortstop, basically anywhere in between. Um. And shortstop, he's not been awful defensively. He's been better than I thought he'd be. Uh, yeah. You know, um, and that's something. But he's not as... I, I, feel, I feel bad, quote-unquote, criticizing the guy. He's had three or four great weeks here. Yeah. But, but you know, he had 2017 to 2020, his uh, OPS plus was 71. That's... I trust those numbers over, you know, a few weeks here. But I hope I'm wrong. Maybe he's figured something out. Maybe he's the uh, second coming of Joey Votto, and he's figured something out. And uh, if he's going to continue to hit like this, did you ever think you'd see uh, him bat uh, third in the lineup back-to-back games? No, that was wild. That's a little David Bell being David Bell. Uh, I'm still not sold on David Bell. Bringing Hembry all the time, and I don't know. But I mean, I know it hasn't been. And I, you know, I, I will say, I will say this. I, you know, I, I don't know one way or another about David Bell, but I will never, I would never, any manager you want to give me, I don't care, Bob Boone, whoever. Like, I would never blame any manager for the decisions they have to make with this bullpen. That's actually what I said yesterday. Sparky Anderson, <laughs> he couldn't have done anything with this bullpen. It is what it is. Uh, we got to answer some viewer mail questions here. Uh, 
we we're running along. Jason, I'm having a good time talking to you. These Reds teams pretty fun to talk about uh, right now, huh? They are fun to talk about, and also I am a delight. <laughs> well, that's obvious, as everyone knows. Let's run through it. We'll have to do kind of a rapid fire as much as we can, but let's run through some viewer mail questions. These questions, of course, come from our friends at Patreon.com/slash/RedLegRadio, where you too can join the family and uh, potentially get your question asked on uh, the podcast. Now, we'll get through as many as we can. First comes from our buddy Pete Wills. Pete Wills, you think he's related to Mari Wills? A little blast from the past. Possibly. I mean... I hope not. Mari Wills was a Dodger. His question is this. Not long ago, I met Jeff Frazier, one of Todd Frazier's brothers. Jeff also played in the majors for a hot minute with Detroit, but even better, he's a very cool dude. He noticed I had Reds gear on all the way out here in New Jersey and kindly gave me a game-worn batting glove that Todd had used while he was a Red. My question is, what does one do with a game-worn batting glove? I'm currently storing it in a sock drawer. He said, that's the best I could do. Jason, what do you do with a game-worn batting glove? I have never had possession of a game-worn batting glove, so I, I don't feel qualified to advise here. Yeah, I, go to eBay, I think. I'm not a memorabilia guy. I don't know if you are, but I'm just... Um, I, I'm not in general. There there are probably a, a few things or a few players where if I had something from them, it would be something, but... I think not, I have... Yeah, go ahead. No, just not in general. Yeah, yeah. I, I think I have one piece. I mean, I got a bunch of bobbleheads because, you know, whatever. Um, but in terms of, you know, memorabilia, uh, I think I've got... My parents, one year for Christmas, got me a uh, an autographed Barry Larkin jersey. And it's actually sitting here right next to me. I've never really displayed it anywhere. I don't know what to do with it. I like it. I'm not going to get rid of it. It's kind of cool, I guess, but I don't really know what to do with it. I guess I need to put it in a frame and hang it up somewhere. But I'm just not a memorabilia guy. So my, my, my answer, uh, Pete, is, uh, I don't know, go to eBay probably. Or, you know what, wear it in your backyard wiffle ball games. And you'll probably win the Home Run Derby. Next question comes from James Urban. This one is uh, one where I'm really interested to hear what Jason Linden has to say. Uh-oh. In, in honor of the Olympics, if you could win a gold medal in any event, which one would you go for? For me, James says, give me the gold in the javelin throw. I've always loved that event. Jason, is there one Olympic event that you, if you could win a gold medal, which one would you go for? Okay, well, because there have been a lot of questions like this circulating, so I need a clarification. Is this a, you think this would be the most fun to win a gold medal in? Or is there a, this is the one that you think, if you were to ever trip into a gold medal, this is where it would happen? Uh, The question sounds like, which one would you go for? If you could choose whichever one. So you choose what would be your favorite event, I guess, to do that, not uh, what you could be close to winning one at, uh, or closer than any, any other. It's synchronized swimming, obviously, right? You know, I was going to go with a swimming one. Not that I would have a snowball's chance in that, because I absolutely would not, ever. But the swimming, I've always enjoyed watching kind of all of the swimming coverage, to be, to be honest. I don't know why, I just have. That seems neat. Yeah. Okay. I mean, that's completely reasonable. Um, I I've not watched any of the Olympics. I don't generally watch the Olympics anymore. I used to love the Olympics, but I don't know the last uh, few, I don't know, last decade or two. I just I don't know because I don't get into it for whatever reason. If you do, you're if you're into it, fine. I'm just, I'm not criticizing. It's just not something I'm really into. But 
my answer to this question is probably um, I'm an American, so I would be on the United States Olympic team. So we're establishing that. And so if I could win a gold medal in an event, I would probably be a member of the uh, U.S. Uh, men's uh, national basketball team. Because that would mean I'm an NBA player and I'm making lots of money and that's the only way to get on the men's national team. And so basketball is the answer. Fair enough. <laughs> I'm just looking at my bank account, man. Come on. Charlie Zollers asks, what breaks your heart more? This is clearly directed at me. Harry Kane not showing up to training or the Reds ha having a competitive team yet ownership not trying to make it into a serious contender. That's a version of a question we get just about every week, Charlie, and I appreciate it. Uh, I'm not going to go into Harry Kane uh, discussion. That's uh, Tottenham Hotspur. It's a European football, but uh, and, which breaks my heart. But yeah, this Bob Castellini. <sighs> yes, I'm going to tell you something that you may not know, but uh, I don't know. I don't know if we talked about this in the Slack channel or uh, my buddy Joe. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and release some information. Uh, we have been uh, in the process of pricing out billboards. Uh, that say, you know, sell the Reds, Bob, or something in that nature. And uh, at least one billboard company in uh, in Cincinnati has refused our, to take our money because of their relationship with the uh, Cincinnati Reds. What do you think about that, Jason Linden? Well, that's very interesting, Chad. It is, isn't it? We're going to keep going. We're going to get a billboard. Would you prefer a billboard or a uh, a plane flying across Great American Ballpark above a? I think, I think the billboard is the way to go. Pla a plane, plane, a plane with a banner just that just says cheesy. It does, and, and also it's you know it's one game. After three hours, it's gone. I want to get a billboard for a month. Sell the team. Sell the Reds, Bob Castellini. Oh my gosh, I'm uh, I'm the worst. Jerry Sadath, well, we need to be on the lookout for an update the Big 50 after watching Joey Votto's home run streak and apparent renaissance at 37. Yes, that may be uh, Chapter 52, but Chapter 51 is going to be Kyle Farmer. Joe Farsing, if instead of a beer league softball team for the Patreons, we had a beer league lawn darts squad, and if so, how long until someone went to the emergency room? Do you remember lawn darts, Jason? I do. How are those things marketed to the general public? don't know. It wouldn't I'd be... Murder your friends and neighbors by accident. <laughs> murder with plausible deniability. It's a good time for all the family. Oh, gosh. If you wear lawn darts and you're wearing jorts, does that make it better or worse? Worse. We have two similar questions here. So I'll ask them both in, uh, in tandem. Andrew Scott Wills parentheses. This is some parath parenthetical information for you, Jason. Andy. So we're going to call him Andy Wills. Uh, we got Andy Wills and Pete Wills. What about that? His question is, do the Cincinnati Reds have a fight song? If so, please sing it for us. And then Kevin Lowe says, uh, one thing that's always bothered me is that the Cubs are stupid. <laughs> that hasn't bothered me. Oh, there's more here. And yet they do have a fun song to sing along uh, to in C Go Cubs Go. Reds are awesome, yet have no fun sing-along song. No offense to B. Lark and the Homeboys uh, with Red Hot, the seminal rap classic Reds Hot. If someone were to write a fun sing-along song for the Reds, what should it be called? Uh, has that bothered you? About the Reds having a song or not having a song? I've never been bothered by that. What about that Cincinnati, Ohio? That's I mean, I think that is what it would be if there were to be one. 
That's embarrassing. It's awful. A fight song. We need a fight song like uh, you know Notre Dame. Just a, a classic college football fight song. You don't see that in pro sports. I honestly think fight songs are drastically overrated in the first place, but that's just a personal opinion. Did your high school have a fight song? Uh, probably, but I don't know. I still remember the words to my high school's fight song. Is that embarrassing? I mean, you know, it's you, so yes. <laughs> Easy, partner. Um, yeah, I, I, I watched that movie. Uh, what's the movie uh, with that? actor uh, the uh, uh Fallon Jimmy Fallon and the uh the woman I don't really care for is an actor uh Fever Pitch which is an okay movie but you know he's a season ticket holder they're singing uh, Sweet Caroline which is another fight song or whatever but I'm thinking man why don't the Reds have something where everybody can kind of get in get involved in it so we clearly need like a Dave Matthews song don't we they have the woo <laughs> the woo uh, that's Bark in the Park now. That's when the Woo first made its debut a few years ago. The Woo. You're anti-Woo, right? Yeah, mostly. I'm pro-Woo. I'm anti-Woo the Reds on Twitter, that that guy. But I'm pro-Woo in the stadium. Um, yeah, we need, a, we need a song. I don't know about a fight song, but a, uh, I don't know, something. But, you know, I'm not, I've am not. i not been to the stadium this year because I'm boycotting, but whatever. Mike Perry, this is a question I started to ask you earlier, and then uh, I thought we'd save it here. Tyler Malley's performance has dropped significantly since the sticky stuff cracked down. How concerned should we be? And I looked it up. Um, the sticky stuff crackdown, quote-unquote, started on June 21st. And Tyler Malley has made uh, eight starts since then. He's uh, one and one. The Reds are three and five in those starts, and his ERA is four point six eight. So he has been, he has been worse. I mean, his ERA for the season is three point eight six. Um, do we think it's a sticky stuff thing with Tyler Malley? Um, it could be. I we mean, we don't know. That's the answer, right? Yeah, we don't know. Um, he was somebody who tended to rank very high on all of the spin rate charts i don't know what he is where he's at right now uh i don't know if there's been a change for him since that occurred but it's possible the question here is how concerned we should we be i'm not going to be concerned yet yeah mally has had a long track record of getting people out as you and i have talked about many times um but it's something to watch it's also something to watch when Lucas Sims, he'll be back, I think, this week or uh, no later than next week. And T.J. Antone, when he ultimately gets back, it's going to be something to watch. Yeah. And I'm nervous about that a little bit. All right, let's run through these last ones. Joey Kaditza, hey, Chad and Jason, hope you're both great. Are you great, Jason? I am great. Yes, you are great, and I've always said that. If the Reds are playing October baseball this year, can we have a Zoom Patreon playoff party? The answer to that is yes. We will have a Zoom uh, party if the Reds are playing October baseball. And um, that's actually one of the things that I've been considering anyway for our Patreon uh, group. Uh, uh, more on that to come. But yes, absolutely. Mark Hyden, I won't read your question because you say I don't have to read it. But I want to tell you how much I appreciate you uh, saying that. Um, really appreciate you being part of the family. Um, 
Michael Henry, I'm going to ask you to answer this one, Jason. So listen carefully. Given Votto's resurgence and the likelihood of the DH in the National League, do you think the Reds will exercise their team option with Joey Votto in 2024? Uh, let's see what happens the next couple of seasons. I mean, if he keeps hitting 30-plus home runs a year, yeah. For the first time, though, in a while, that seems like a reasonable you know, uh, end game you know, here. The DH next year is something I hadn't thought of in terms of the Gino Moose and all that situation. If it happens, and it, it's, yeah, I don't know if it's likely to happen, but there's a really good chance. Um, yeah, yeah, I'm going to say yes, because I want another year of Joey Votto. I don't care if he's awful. He's delightful, and I want him on the Reds roster as long as they can keep him on the Reds roster. I agree completely. Two last questions. James Ward, should we send AG to Louisville? I assume he's talking about Amir Garrett. Should we send Amir Garrett to Louisville? Now, when Sims and uh, Antone get back, there's going to be a, a question here. The first guy to go is probably uh, Amir Garrett, 6.55 ERA. To me, the guy, I know he's been pitching in the ninth inning, but I... Garrett doesn't have any options. There you go. So, and somebody, someone will claim Amir Garrett. Somebody would absolutely claim him, yeah. His arm is live enough. Um... Sean Doolittle's numbers don't look awful if you just look at the surface numbers, but Sean Doolittle's not been great. Yeah. Is he gone? I mean, who goes? I don't know. I don't it's gonna be interesting to see what the what the decisions are. Heath Henry pitches in the ninth inning, but his numbers are not good. Brad Brock is his numbers are not good. I don't know. <laughs> Santian's not oh, the only reason Santian's not in this bullpen is because of options. If the Reds were trying to put the best team on the field, Santian would be up here. I think. I think he's better than these guys. But yeah, right. Yeah. But in terms of AG, I don't think he goes, and you don't either. It sounds like. No. I don't think you can risk losing him, even though he's not been great. All right. Last question. John Majewski used three words to describe Nick Crawl as the general manager of our beloved Reds. Three words to describe Nick Kroll as the general manager of our beloved Reds. I'll take this unless you have something on the, off the top of your head, Jason, that you want to... Go for it, Chad. Here are the three words to describe Nick Kroll as the general, man, general manager of our beloved Reds. Employed. Or whatever. Well, well said. <laughs> Jason, any final thoughts for us here? Go Reds. Go Reds. All the team. Yes, we love the, the Reds, and they are fun to watch. Uh, if you could ignore the nonsense in the front office, they really are fun. And, and I appreciate you all hanging with us uh, every week here. Another fun uh, discussion of Cincinnati Reds. Subscribe wherever you find your podcasts. Uh, you can go to patreon.com slash redlegradio to uh, subscribe uh, to the podcast and uh, you know, be a part of some of the fun things we've got planned in the next uh, few months. Um, I don't know. That's that's basically it, Jason. Thank you so much, man. It's been good talking to you again. It's been a while. It has been a while, and it's always a pleasure, Chad. Yeah, this was a good one. Thank you so much uh, for Jason Linden and Nick Crawl or whatever. This is Chad Dotson saying so long, everyone. Go.
Thanks for listening to Red Leg Nation Radio from RedLegNation.com. Subscribe to Red Leg Nation Radio on iTunes or through your favorite podcast app. And join us for discussion of all things Reds at RedLegNation.com. 24 hours a day, 7 days a week. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.